G'day guys, welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates the Story So Far. Basically what this is, is a little mini episode where I've put together all the snippets of information um, in regards to the uh, investigation that Warren and I are doing, put them all together into one little bite-sized episode. Um, now what I'm, what I'm uh, talking about is our investigation into Ernst Vollmer. There really isn't um, one place on the web where you can find all the information about him. It's been something we've been scratching at the surface with and, and finding bits and pieces here and there. And it's been it's been like a jigsaw puzzle. It's been like us having to sort of figure it all out with all this information we've got and gone, okay, so this looks like it could link to this story and this looks like it could link to this area of Australia. Um, it's been very, very intriguing and really surprising as well. And I think the biggest surprise for both of us is that there isn't a study of this guy, that there isn't a website dedicated to this guy, like a Wikipedia page or anything, really. It's all like cloak and dagger kind of stuff. And we've kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I don't know if we're the first to sort of look into this guy, but according to the internet, there's no specific place where all the information is, is being correlated and put together. Um, so I think this is a first. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of exciting for two Aussie dickhead boys, blokes, um, <laughs> to be doing this, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, but there is lots of creepy turns and stuff and there's a lot more to come. But but this, like I said, this episode, I just wanted to put together all the snippets we've done so far because because of COVID-19 and, you know, Warren and I not always being together in the car and recording episodes and doing it over the phone and having our special episodes in between, it's been a little, a little bit disjointed, I feel. So I thought it was important for not only for you guys <laughs> to make sense, but also for Warren and I to be able to listen to it and go, right, this is where we're up to. This is what we've got. And believe me, guys, there's so much more that we've got to divulge, and it just gets weirder and weirder. So anyway, without further ado, uh, enjoy the uh, the story of Ernst Vollmer so far. The Fly on the Wall podcast investigates. Something else we mentioned last week is um, something that sparked our interests with asylums and Warburton Hospital that we went and explored, all yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I suppose more me, more me than you. I think. I think in the last week, I think you've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent with that. Whereas I've yeah. been stuck in my own head <laughs> trying think, to make think, up stories. I think asylums are fascinating anyway, especially like mm. the eighteen hundred oh. asylums. Pretty scary, dark places. They didn't understand 
uh, mental illness, did no, they? No, not all. at all. Not it was at all. Like, Which is started scary. with let's just shut them away somewhere so they don't annoy everyone. Yeah. And yeah. then it became a like, well, let's see if these things work and, and use them as essentially like and test it, dummies. And even, you know what, even in the last, it's only really been the last 50 years that yeah. we've actually started paying attention and trying to go, oh, hang on, how do we make things better? Copies. And so I did a bit of I did a bit of research on the Warby Hospital, which I'd already done, but I did a bit more scratching and I did find one of the guy, one of the doctors that sort of um, was there in the early days. So I'm talking the early 1900s. Yeah, he'd actually worked at the uh, what was it called, the Sunbury Asylum. Oh yeah, the Sunbury. One so Sunbury is briefly, a, a yeah. suburb in the west, is it? it certainly is. Yeah, of our great state. It's a fair state. way out, actually. I would have said, like back in eighteen the eighteen nineties, would have been quite the, rural back then, wouldn't it? Super rural. Like yeah. it would have been the equivalent of say like. Ballarat near, which yeah, is, you know, yeah. a good, I don't know, 100 k's out. Yeah, Melbourne. yeah, yeah. It would have seemed the same because yeah. it just would have been a regional centre. But that's obviously where we had our large facility for, for that sort of thing. So this this guy, Dr. Colin North, yeah, um, yeah he uh, he worked at the uh, the Warby Hospital but had worked at the Sunbury Asylum. Yeah, okay. And I found a few... Dr. North, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Found a few, uh, like... Uh, well, I suppose excerpts from from his notes and things like that from interviewing or talking to um, patients yeah. at the at the Sunbury Asylum, which I just thought it's like obviously we're talking about mental illness, so it is a little bit sad. It is, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not. We're certainly not laughing at these people. No, it's we have a laugh at a lot it's of just things. Intrigue. Yeah, kind of a, a morbid fascination with this era. Yeah, too, I guess. But we found these letters and uh, or notes and. Uh, yeah, we just thought we'd read a couple and uh, discuss and see how we go. So this one... So Warren's going to have a read. ...was an interview with Daniel Dooley, who was 59, and the date was the 23rd of August in 1892. And the little subtitle is I Met the Devil. Jesus. So this is, uh, as quote, oh, I quote, I was brought by a policeman because I was silly. And I was in the habit of saying my prayers. I stayed a night out looking for a quartz reef. I value it at at £100. I've been at Dunnelly on an unemployment pass. I brought a tent. I saw a lot of larrikins there and they burned my tent. When I came back, I could not find the place. I met five men dressed like navvies, Irish workers. I spoke to them and they did not answer. I met more and I spoke to... And they said they were ghosts. I wanted to go into a house, but they said it was haunted. I then saw the devil, like a steam engine. I then saw the BVM, which is uh, Blessed Virgin Mary, and I spoke to her and shook hands with her. She she took a tree up to make a shelter for me and sent JC, Jesus Christ, to obtain another for me. She lifted up the tree as easy as I can this chair, and there was music and ejaculations of the Hail Mary, which is an interesting term for it. It is an interesting term. I asked for money. And she had a bird in her hand and placed it on a perch. And one of the men had a purse with him, but that money I've not got yet. I told a priest, and he told me to be off. So, do you reckon that's a whole bit of madness? Do you reckon here, that's ramblings, or what do you reckon that is? So, obviously, the, this Doctor North has taken the notes or written. He's he's um, doing like dictation almost, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think this is uh, literally just writing the so stuff word down for as word. They speak. Yeah, okay. There's. A, so I've, I, there was about five or six letters, actually. Yeah, yeah. But the ones I've chosen are probably the most interesting. And it just it just got me thinking, like, 
Like, what's going on? Is it is is there truth in all of that? Like, is he actually seeing something in his own mind, or is it? It's interesting all, the way they speak, though. Like that one there is, well, is it's very short sentences. Eighteen ninety two as well. Yeah, though, you know, but so they're, they're very short, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, does yeah, it? It's no. like a series of events that are all kind of just. Like, oh, this, and there was this, and there was this, and there was this. And so he might be recounting things that maybe have happened. Yeah. But what, and the other thing I didn't know was, what? where's Donnelly, or what's Donnelly? You know, he says they're Oh, uh, Donnelly, that's a place. Donnelly, where's that? That's a town. Oh, out, Is yeah, that Ireland? Uh, you know, I think oh. that's gold country. I think that's out the west. Oh, okay. So Sunbury oh, okay. is, is out west. Yeah. So Donnelly is, I think, out into the northwest as oh, well. Okay, so okay. they were probably all out there trying to fossick uh, for gold, because back then that would have been the main... People trying to make their their way in the world would have been trying to get some gold. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, all sorts of nationalities and people coming yeah, through right. trying to, to get their riches, make their fortune. Yeah, um, I, I, I sorry, saw this little, one too, little, so I might read that one too. Yeah, no worries. Little side note though is I did read on this same uh, web page. I did read that all the people that had he'd done the yeah. um, taken the notes from, uh, none of them actually survived the asylum, which is a bit sad. I don't know what year they died or anything, but yeah, most sad. of these notes I think were taken in around about eighteen. It is actually they all seem to yeah they're all eighteen ninety two. So it must so have it must just have, been a study or something. It must that's have just it. been like what? Let's hear what they've got to say. They brought and, everyone in, yeah. had a little bit of a conversation if they wanted to speak, and then yeah, yeah, put them off back to their cell. So this one's a shorter one. Um, by uh, well, an interview with Will Robinson, fifty four, on the twentieth of May, eighteen ninety two. Uh, a little subtitle, I don't know this place. Will Robinson, isn't he from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Is it? <laughs> no, or that, what's that with the robot <laughs> in space? Oh, the uh, the family. Uh, yeah, the Robinson. That's like Robinson Crusoe, yeah, yeah. isn't it? I don't know, mate. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> My official name is Will Robinson. My correct name is Charles Hutton. Oh, okay. I was born in 1833. I'm 54 years of age. I don't know this place. I came from several places. I cannot tell you where I came from last. I left Beechworth in 1854. Beechworth was an asylum as well. 1855. This year is 1887, so he's wrong. I was never in an asylum in my life. I'm not married. I have relations. I can hardly tell you where they are. I cannot tell you where one is. I see well. Hmm. So he sounded troubled. He did, yeah. Yeah. Um... So there's another one. Yeah, there was another one, a key one I thought was pretty Well, this one about someone's coming to kill me, was it that one? Uh, or was it uh, I knocked her about a bit? No, the the kill me one, but then yeah. there's also a bit of a longer one. Oh, that's I met the devil. Yeah. No, no, I think... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I found it. Got that one. Well, maybe I'll... Uh, Look out to that one. Sorry, we're just scrolling through notes on our phones. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. Okay, so this is uh, an interview with Arthur Mawson. Right. Uh, it was done on the 30th of September, 1892. Okay, yeah. Uh, my name is Arthur Mawson. 56 is my age. I don't know you, do I? I haven't seen you before or the lady in the corner. There's no lady? Begging your pardon, sir, but I can see her plain as I see my own hand. She's looking at me. No smile, no joy has passed them eyes for many a year. Her eyes are black, sir. No? Is it the shadow? I can't tell. Stop asking me, please, sir. She don't look none too happy about me making comment on her appearance. No, sir, I need to look away now or I'm for it. 
O Lord, sir, she is standing right near your side. She's smiling now, sir, in a way I don't want to give utterance about. What? Uh, Yes, ma'am, I did take them. No, I don't remember. I swear on my own God-fearing heart, I didn't bury them there. You couldn't know. I, I wouldn't tell a soul. Reaches out, hand, and then just says, catatonic. Oh, okay. Catatonic, that, that means like sort of almost like just out of it, doesn't it? Yeah, sort yep. of comatose. But, comatose, yeah. But kind of conscious? Yeah. Is it? I think so. Yeah. You have to look up that word. That one. That <laughs> one's a troubling one. It is. <laughs> that it's, one, pretty, it's pretty dark. Like it's... Yeah. And I, I think obviously because it's from a... It's from... Uh, a mental asylum yeah. in 189. Like, it's all pretty grim. but um, And the way they speak, too, and everything. Yeah, the old oldy language and stuff. But I just thought it was interesting and just thought, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking, really. Like, I feel like there's more there that we can probably look into or something. I don't know. But... Well, yeah, clearly... It's, it's, it, 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 I find it creepy but intriguing is what I'm saying. Well, that, that one there is obviously, I'm guessing, he's seeing something. Yeah. The one before... Doesn't seem to know where he is and no. what year it is or, or anything. What's he, going on? He's really yeah. a bit kind of lost. Um, the one about the devil yeah. has a lot more to say, but it's it's very biblical, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's like yeah. lots of visions, lots of biblical visions, like yeah. seeing Jesus Christ and the Hail Marys and, and everything like that. So I couldn't on the website. I didn't really say anything about anything more about these patients. I had a little had a little bit more about Doctor North, but it didn't say yeah. anything else about the patients. So right, I don't know. I might just do a bit more scratching, see what I can find. Yeah, I'm but kind of anyway. curious to see what the rest of his. Uh, his experience was like because it's obvious if he's seen a little bit from around the state, yeah, kind of from the late part of the uh, the eighteen hundreds into the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, it'd be an interesting time for that kind of uh, field. So maybe I can so, try and look at maybe I'll try and look at more information on him then. Yeah, maybe like so. See yeah, what his see, career see was. If his or... name pops up anywhere else. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. The Sunbury Asylum. Yeah. Right? We've sort of talked about it the last few episodes. We've sort of scratched the surface. The Sunbury Asylum is definitely linked to the Warburton Hospital, the one we went and explored on our urban exploration. Okay. Um, last week, I found out that, um, well, we, we found out a little while ago that Dr. Colin North was kind of a key um, member at both hospitals. Yes. At the Warburton Hospital and at the Sunbury Asylum. Turns out his name wasn't actually Colin North. He changed it. Um, it his real name was actually Ernst Volmer, right? Okay. Um, I'm still a bit sketchy as to why he changed it. I suspect it's something to do with what went down at Sunbury Asylum because there was a few kind of... Um, uh, I don't. It's, it's tricky because I don't want to divulge too much at once. Like yeah, I don't yeah. want to confuse the the listener. Yeah, no, because there's a lot there. Clearly, there is, there yeah. is. But yeah, something something pretty full on went down at the Sunbury Asylum, and it concerned Doctor Colin North, who was really Ernst, Ernst Volmer, Volmer right? right? But what I did learn about Ernst Volmer is his son Ralph Volmer, right? In the early nineties in Antwerp, Victoria. 
he did basically an impromptu exorcism with his church leaders on his wife at his country, like rural house, farm farmhouse, and his wife died from it. So yeah, okay. tragically, and turns out she had mental um, health issues, but he, being a, a very very religious man. Um, saw it as, you know, the devil was inside her because she was suddenly talking, like, quite crudely and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, and he got the church leaders involved. I think it was three of them, and they basically did an exorcism where they, they tied her down, they slapped her, they beat her. Several times through the night, uh, Ralph Volmer was like, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this, this is my wife. And the church leaders were like, no, 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 this is what we have to do. And the poor woman ended up dying from, from her injuries and stuff like that. So okay. incredibly sad. It is. So, so how does that all tie in? Uh, it will yes. become clearer and clearer as we, as we progress. But I found it very interesting because Ernst Vollmer, so Vollmer Sr., um, allegedly had his own mental health issues as well. Right. And I found that interesting because he was a doctor at Sunbury Asylum doing his own off-the-record kind of experiments and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, and then later on, he's had a son who's clearly gone a bit doolally as well. So what I'm going to do, right. there's still more, there's lots more, actually, I've got to get through. I've, I've still really only scratched the surface, but, but there's lots more, and every time it's like... They're tantalising little... Well, it's like turning over this. a stone. Every time I turn yeah. something over, there's another little bit of information. So I don't want to get... I don't want to get too convoluted for our listeners. No, no, so right. what I might I'll do is there's another bit of information I want to divulge next week, but then after that I might do a bit of a timeline so we can go, okay, this, 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 and then we can, you know, a keep track of it. A track, okay. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, I think, because I find it quite interesting, and I think because we went, and we said this before, because we went to the Warburton Hospital. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like there's this not connection now. That's right. With yeah. the history of it. That's right. Um, and so anything that comes up, uh, particularly of this kind of nature, yeah, is really interesting. That's right. Digging back into our past. I'm just going to give you a bit of a rough, uh, a bit of a rough timeline um, as I've sort of penned it out so far. But like I said, um, <laughs> each section that I scratch on, I'm, I'm going down another pathway that leads me into more and more bizarre things. But anyway, I won't confuse the listener too much. I'll just, I'll just get stuck in. And as you can see, I'm just listening very carefully because I do want to try and get my head around it as well. Okay, so Ernst Vollmer. Now this, this. Yeah, it's a. It's going to blow your mind. But anyway, Ernst Vollmer, right? He was born in 1844 in Mittenwald, Germany, which is just a like a small little village in Germany, right? Like quite a quaint little place. But anyway, um, he had three sons. Uh, one of them was Rolf Vollmer, who I've spoken about. He um, he resided in Antwerp in Victoria, not Belgium, um, Antwerp, uh, Victoria. And he ended up um, getting done for manslaughter for killing his wife in a uh, an exorcism that had basically gone wrong. That's right. Yeah, 
Yeah, so that was one of his sons, right? Um, the other two sons I haven't found too much about yet, but there was a there was a couple of intriguing things that I'll talk about in another ep- episode. But anyway, going back to Ernst Vollmer, he migrated to Australia with his family in 1855, right? And his his family were Seventh Day Adventists, and this is where it gets, this is where it gets a little bit kooky because his family believe or believed that Ernst Vollmer was the second coming of Christ because apparently the Seventh-day Adventists believed that the second coming of Christ would be in 1844, and that's when this Ernst Vollmer was born, right? Well, so there we go. Okay. So all through his young life, Ernst Vollmer's parents believed he was Christ, and they treated him like that. So they basically worshipped the ground he walked on. So, right. needless to say, he became quite an egotistical little yeah. prick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's, there is more on that, but I kind of wanted to uh, jump ahead a little bit. So, like I said, they emigrated, they migrated to um, uh, Australia in 1855, uh, to Melbourne as well. Um, uh, jump forward a few years, and he went to, Ernst went to, well, he studied at the medicine, he studied medicine at the Melbourne University in 18, oh, 1861, which happened to be the first year the school um, of medicine was established at the at the uh, at the university. Okay. Yeah. Then he went on to. So I'm sort of jumping from here to there because that's how it was kind of read in the articles that I found because they're all kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a cut and paste type thing. Like it was a bit of this and a bit of that. So anyway, so he's at the university, 1861, and then by the early 1870s, he was already working at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, But he was fired in 1873, um, which was the same year he married a lady called Maud Rayland, right? So I was like, okay, why was he fired? That was, that's, that was odd to me, right? So he sort of set himself up. He's got this. He's got this bit of a a god-like ego, I suppose. God complex. Yep. God complex. That's the best way of putting it. Yep. Yeah. He's got married, but then he got he got fired. Everything sort of went a bit skew if in eighteen seventy three, and he was arrested. Right. This is this is what I found out. He was arrested for being a peeping tom. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> And as for the, so there wasn't a whole lot on this, but there was one little article right at the end of his, like what I read on his sentencing, because it's all like, you can go on to, um, what's it called? Um, oh, the Melbourne, like the Melbourne or the the State Library Archives, and you can find all sorts of stuff out, because they after 50 years, they released like um, uh, public information or whatever they call it, right? Yeah, like freedom, yeah, freedom of information. Yeah, yeah. So as for his sentencing, so he got done for being a peeping Tom. And obviously obviously the hospital must have found out. So he was fired from his job. Um, And as far as as his sentencing and punishment, um, all I found was that he went to Pentridge Prison, right? Which is a prison in, was a prison in Melbourne. It's not around anymore. And there's a small snippet from the detention deputy, which I guess is like a, like a prison guard or something. Yeah, yeah. And this is all it said, right? Now, you make okay. of it what you what you will, but yeah, we'll have a chat about it in a minute. So it said in this little, uh, like a document thing, it was like a handwritten thing, like a, right. sta- like a statement, I suppose, from this deputy, detention deputy. 
It said, hang on, let me. Mr. Volmer was brought into the holding cell. The walls and the door are so thick that no light or sound comes in. The others and I took to him with a stick and a cat. He had a bell oh. and rang it for mercy. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's all it says. That's all it says. Now, a stick is pretty self-explanatory, but the, yeah. cat, the cat threw me. But then I read it to the wife. And, cat and, and nine tails? Yeah, she said a cat and right. nine tails. Maybe they just called it the cat, you know, for sure. Yeah. And the cat yeah, and nine tails obviously is, is a whip thing. So, yeah. but how ominous is that? It's like, it's I was really, like, what the fuck? They gave him a fucking bell to ring once they'd beat yeah, the shit yeah. out of him. And you, and you think to yourself, wouldn't you just fucking ring it before the beating starts? But maybe <laughs> maybe it was kind of a thing that, no, no, you have to cop some of it. Now, this is at a time, so this is, like I said, early wow. 18, 1870s, when yeah. um, um, lashings was still a punishment. That, that was still a punishment. So I'm not sure if this was actually a, a court-assigned um, punishment. Part or, of the sentence, yeah. Yeah, or if it was just that this detention deputy and his, and his – because it – what did he say? Oh, the others and I took to him yeah. with a stick and cat. <laughs> yeah, which sounds like maybe a few guards. Yeah. And this guy who might have been in charge of a few of the guards, and then, yeah, they've just had a, a fun old time. Yeah, and he had the bell and he rang it for mercy. <laughs> Well, I'm glad he had the bell. Yeah, I mean, in yeah. some ways, you were kind of relief that he had it. But I don't know. Yeah, like you said, like why would why would he not just ring it straight away? That's like, right. It doesn't make so, a lot of sense. So yeah, like I said, I just want to. I, I guess the best way of doing this is kind of like a timeline. So um, that's sort of the first section, I suppose, that I've sort of nutted out and put together. But okay, yeah, Ernst Vollmer. Um, so the main things I want the audience and you to take away from this is that yeah. Ernst Vollmer, he's the father of Ralph Vollmer. Now you can go out there and look the, look Ralph Vollmer up, people. Um, he studied medicine at the Melbourne University in 1861, um, worked at the Royal Melbourne Hospital then, and, and was fired. And that same year, he married a lady called Maud Rayland. Um, that same year, he was arrested for being a peeping Tom. Um, yeah. And, yeah, was obviously beaten or something. Something. This is an interesting uh, rabbit hole that you're going down. <laughs> yeah, it's there's, 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 uh, I've got the feeling there's going to be many more little stories because yeah. you know, who would have thought, like the son with the exorcism that killed the wife and then this with the people, Tom, <laughs> yeah. got a pantridge. That's right. Like, it's, it's nuts. That's but crazy. I, I, I'm fascinated by it because, like I said, each... Each door leads to another three or four doors about Something this guy. Else, yeah. You know? So, and obviously, yeah, it eventually leads to him working at the Sunbury Asylum and then the Warburton Hospitals. Now, let me just take you over to a place called Germantown uh, in Tennessee, USA, right? Okay. Yep. There was a Baptist church there, 1838. Um, uh, and it was set up in 1838. And there was an evangelist there who went by the name of Sam Hall Bethel, right? And in 1877, he went over to Melbourne to public, ah. publicly preach and convert people over to the Christian faith. Ernst Vollmer, our friend. <laughs> um, our buddy. Yeah, he uh, basically. Uh, now you got to go. You got to remember that I'm sort of piecing this together as I go from snippets of information on the internet and journal entries and 
publications and all sorts of the things in the newspaper all from years ago like it's all a bit sketchy but it's i'm slowly putting this sort of uh, trail together but anyway so this uh, sam hall bethel befriended ernst volmer or vice versa and the pair decided to travel to south australia right um to set up a small church together just outside of a place called gawler which is a rural town in south australia after only a year, of the, the church only had a very small congregation as many locals felt that the church leaders were out of touch and fanatical. Um, then, yeah, <laughs> then um, there's a very small, that was all I could really find on the church, but then there was a small snippet in the, oh, what was it called? It was like the Gawler Review or something like that, a very a, like a local, local newspaper yeah. type thing. Okay. And all it mentioned was that um, American um, evangelist Sam Hall Bethel found murdered. That's all it said. That was oh. all it said. I was like, what the fuck? And then in there the was... Local, in the local fucking paper. In the local paper, yeah. And it was like some constable had sort of been quoted of saying that they found him and blah, blah, blah. But it, it was very basic. It wasn't, it wasn't like a... Um, uh, like a, you know, like today, if there's a murder article in the, like the Herald Sun, it's like a two-page uh, spread or something. But this was just like a little snippet. I was like, "What the fuck?" And maybe, maybe okay. it was because he was an outsider. He was he was an American or, or something that it didn't really give it much worth. Um, or I don't know. I don't know. But that's all it was. That's all I could find um, uh, on that. And that was yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, right. that's strange." Um, I obviously knew enough to say that he was murdered rather than like you know suspicious circumstances or something like that. But yeah, maybe they didn't have a lot of information on. The, the, the details of his death or something. Yeah, it was just very so it was blunt. Just like a it was strange. Comment. Yeah. Um, Weird. And then, uh, so fast forward another couple of years, and then uh, I don't even know what happened in these few years, but then suddenly we find Ernst Vollmer back working at the hospital. So he went off and started this church. Um, right. And there was no mention of him taking his wife with him or, or anything like that. He went off and started this church. The guy he started the church with ends up dead. And a few years later, Ernst Vollmer's back at the Royal Melbourne Hospital working as a... As, well, I don't know what he said he was working as at this point, but yeah, very strange. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. But very, okay. very, very strange. And it's the... There's a little bit more, but I, I don't want to t- say too much at one time because I just feel that would kind of uh, be too much for the listeners. You know what I mean? Like I think there's so much there and it's just kind of fun opening a door here and there and, and finding it all out myself, to be honest. But I just want to give snippets each week. So we know that, yeah, we know that Ernst Vollmer is now back at the Royal Melbourne Hospital after some weird shit went down in Gawler in a <laughs> tiny little church in Gawler. <laughs> yeah. So, Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates. Uh, do you want to tell the people, Warren, uh, why we initially started to do this investigation? Maybe you want to explain that little section. Okay, well, basically, in episode 31, we went to the abandoned uh, Warburton Hospital. And we did a little bit of, well, you know, urban exploration around the site. And we had a great time. We really enjoyed the experience. Great, yeah, great episode. Um, 
we like the, the mystery of it, the, the kind of sneakiness of it, I suppose, uh, and the, the sense of adventure about it. But it also kind of ignited an interest in maybe a bit more of the history of it. There was a couple of buildings to the place, and one of them dated back to the early, early, early 20th century. Um, and so I guess both Luke and I were both interested in just finding out a little bit more about uh, some of the people who might have worked there, some of the people who might have been patients there. And at that time, it was way out in the middle of nowhere too. So I don't know, something kind of spooky, but also really enticing about knowing more. For today's little snippet of information for Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates, let me, uh, let me go to Dr. Amanda Green, who has a PhD in criminology, right? I found an article okay. written by her that was posted online 2006. Now, <clears throat> do you remember last, or not last week, but the week before when on the last episode of Flying Wall Podcast, I told you about an evangelist from America called Sam Hall Bethel. He, uh, he came to Australia and he befriended uh, Dr. Colin North, who back then was Ernst Vollmer. Um, and the two went off to uh, South Australia, opened up a little church. Uh, it didn't really generate a lot of interest. And then Sam Hall Bethel was found killed, right? And then uh, yes. our, okay, our friend gotcha. Ernst Vollmer uh, went back to Melbourne. Now, this article by Dr. Amanda Green... Uh, PhD in criminology. She did it basically, it's like a thesis, I suppose, is what you'd call it. Is that how you say it? Thesis? Yeah, thesis, yeah. Yeah, she, she did a thesis on false identity detection, right, using uh, complex sentence, sentences and words and things like that um, from letters and from documents that she's found over the years. And the article, it didn't go into great depth on this particular thing, but she I saw the name Sam Hall Bethel. And I was intrigued, right? So obviously I was like, okay, that was the evangelist. And then further reading, I won't, I won't read the article at all. Actually, I'll just tell you the snippets because it's quite okay. a, it's quite a, um, it's a very wordy article, and a lot of the words went over my head, to be honest. Okay, <laughs> so, well, fair enough. I know that's all right. But basically, it was, it went like this, right? So Sam Hall Bethel, who was found killed. Um, in Gawla, South Australia, he was the, he was the evangelist from America. Um, yep. It turns out there was still letters. His family back in um, America, Tennessee, was still receiving letters from him, even though he had died. He died in like eighteen seventy something. Right. So he was still rece- They were still receiving letters, and it turns out that our friend Ernst Vollmer was pretending to be Sam Hall Bethel and continued writing to the family because he was receiving an allowance of 25 pounds per month which back then which back then was the equivalent to $2000 today Right, okay. So obviously, so obviously they'd formed this friendship. He'd, uh, Ernst Vollmer had obviously found out about this allowance. I reckon he's killed off Sam Hall Bethel, assume, uh, uh, assumed his identity for the sake of the family and for the sake of this £25 a month. And, yeah, that kind of, I just, yeah, kind of blew me Jesus. away. So he's obviously a bit of a deceitful, twisted Bastard. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, quite quite clearly, yeah. <laughs> and obviously we're talking back in a time when, you know, you couldn't just pick up the phone that easily. And obviously this uh, Sam Hall Bethel, obviously 
his family just thought, oh, yeah, Sam's in Australia and he's cutting his own path and he's formed this church and da-da-da, and they just kept sending him the money. And we're still receiving, yeah, we're still receiving mail from him, so everything must be going fine. Exactly. So, so yeah, this Dr. Okay. Amanda Green was 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 used as part of her thesis to show that, that the fact that, because she compared older letters from the real Sam Hall Bethel to right. what Ernst yep. Vollmer, and she, and she said he he had actually worded and copied the writing um, so precisely that you really wouldn't pick up on it. But it was little things like um, the overuse of commas and stuff like that that it w- was a, was standing out. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, the lack of using capitals at the beginning of sentences, just a few things that weren't as common from from the original like Sam Hall Bethel letters. So I found that incredibly uh, interesting. Right. Then, that is uh, interesting, yeah. So that's, yeah, just want you to keep that in the back of your mind. But then we go to 1880. Now, this is where we see um, a bit of a jump. So we know that Ernst Vollmer was working after after the incident in Gawler. Um, he was back in Melbourne working at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, but in 1880, he was transferred, or I'm not sure if he voluntarily went there, um, to the Sunbury Lunatic Asylum. And this is where right. things get quite interesting. So he was there in 1880. That was uh, one year after it actually opened, opened in 1879. Um, so he turned up there and he started working very closely with Dr. O'Brien, who made notes on patients and also kept a diary. Now, if you remember, Warren, a few episodes or quite a few episodes back, we yes. read some of the letters that Dr. O'Brien, or so, sorry, some of the notes that Dr. O'Brien had, had written down about the patients and what they were saying, basically dictating what they had said. Indeed, they were when we were still able to be in each other's presence, we were reading those letters, those notes, yes. Yeah, but what I've managed to find is um, some, I've well, there was actually quite a few of his diary entries, right? But what okay. I'm going to do, I've done a little pre-recording. Uh, I'm going to, over the course of the next few episodes of this Fly on the Wall podcast investigates, I'm going to play um, a total of three. And because they're probably, like like I said, there's there's quite a few there, but these are the most intriguing and the ones that really mention Ernst Vollmer. So I'll play, okay. I'll play that now. Wednesday, February 4th, 1880. I'm getting on in years, yet I have not laid notches upon life's milestones as I should have at this junction. If I were to use my father's experience as a meter, at my age he had already passed away from consumption. My work and my dear friend Ernst keep me from gloomier thoughts each day, and I am grateful for that. Despite the initial apprehension, Ernst and I committed Daniel Dooley to the isolation cage today. We had hoped his screaming would cease before our shift ended, but sadly, they did not. This is Dr. O'Brien's journal entry number two. Sunday, the 14th of August, 1880. I was up early as usual. Sleep is no longer restful and went out for a walk. There is something new always to be heard and seen in my garden, that is. The trees are ready to fruit and Hazel's roses are set to bloom. Despite the morning being beautiful, I was burdened still by Ernst's honesty last night after supper when he and I reclined with brandy. He had asked me to support his claim of innocence to the medical board, but in the same instance, he had admitted his guilt. 
I knew, as a doctor, something was amiss with my dear friend. But what he has revealed to me is so corrupt and, dare I say, depraved, that I cannot bring myself to repeat it with ink and paper. Dr. O'Brien's journal entry number three. Friday the 3rd of September, 1880. Little Martha turns nine tomorrow and is expecting her father to play hoops and hopscotch in the yard. But I can muster no joy at all for I am racked with guilt at my own wickedness. However, maybe it is just that I suffer now. Ernst, whom I once called a friend, has promised to expose my wrongdoings if I do not follow his instructions. Under the cloak of darkness and unbeknownst to anyone, I have helped him take three patients from the asylum to his place in the east. Now he asks for three more. I do not know what becomes of these poor souls and now I have lost all hope for my own wretched soul. Fly on the wall, motherfucking podcast. Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates is, is I'll just give you the, a brief rundown. We went and explored a, an abandoned hospital in a place called Warburton uh, back in episode 31. Go check the episode out. And it got us intrigued. It got us intrigued about the history of the place. And that uh, eventually led me down this path of following this chap called uh, Dr. Ernst Vollmer, um, originally from Germany, emigrated over here. And he was he was heavily involved with uh, the Sunbury Asylum and then eventually moved over to Warburton. But the more I've dug, the more I've found and the creepier the whole fucking thing gets. So, during, I wasn't going to jump straight into this next section because I was going to try and liaise with this person a little bit more, but I I don't know. I think it might pay just to read out what she said as it sort of happens. But anyway, I'd found an email online through my search um, of a an orderly that worked at the Sunbury Asylum um, back in the 80s, I think it was, because I think the, the asylum closed down in 1985. So she'd worked there before, um, and I'd found, yeah, through records and stuff like that, I'd found this email. It was an older style. I won't read out the email, of course, the, 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 the name of the email. But she she goes by the name of Ida. So I'd sent an email um, oh, yesterday sometime and just said in this oh, – so I'll read my, my email and then I'll read her response that I literally got just before we started recording this podcast. So I'd sent in the subject – Long shot, and I said, "G'day, <laughs> my name is Luke, and I am the co-host of this of an Australian podcast called Fly on the Wall Podcast. <clears throat> I hope you don't mind that I'm not cross, and I'm not crossing any lines. But I was wondering if you'd be interested in talking to me via phone or email about your experiences at the Sunbury Asylum. I found your email online during my research and thought it's a long shot, but that I'd try reaching out. Completely fine if you don't want to or can't." I hope to hear from you, but I'll. But it's totally cool if I don't. <clears throat> Sorry about the frog in my throat. 
thank you in advance for any consideration you might give me and my request. So as I said, just before, so 7.49 p.m. is when we got the, when I got this. Very email. eloquent considering it was from you, <laughs> mate. So well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a better person on paper or on, or on email. Um, We've often said that, yeah. No swearing whatsoever. Okay, so I'll just refer to her as Ida. I won't give any full names or any details or anything like that. So Ida said, good evening, Luke. Now, I'm reading this for the first time as well. Oh, okay, yep. Yep. Good evening, Luke. Golly, I'm gobsmacked to receive your email out of the blue. Your query regarding my tenure at Sunbury is very unexpected and certainly a trip down memory lane. I'm unsure as to how I can assist you with your research. I might be a bit rusty with my recollections. I do not wish to build your hopes up, but I'll certainly endeavour to assist as much as I can and or should. I was recruited as a junior orderly in 1978 at the age of 18. The position required me to leave home and move from South Australia to Victoria. Sunbury had been renamed the the Kalula Mental Hospital Training Centre in, I believe, the 1960s. I remained at the the facility until various guises... Oh, sorry, under various guises until it closed down in October 1992. Oh, okay, I thought it was in the mid-80s it actually closed down. Although the mental hospital moniker was dropped in 1985, it still housed intellectually handicapped persons. I do hope this email has been able to appease your curiosity. Feel free to contact me with any further queries within reason. Kind regards, Ida. P.S. I would appreciate if my full name is not met. Oh, that's good. I didn't give the full name. Is not mentioned on your broadcast on any public forum media. So there you go. So intriguing. So the, I'm pleased that she's actually open. Uh, you know, to for me to ask a few questions and all that kind of thing. So I'm actually yeah, looking for forward. Sure. I'll probably you know shoot back an email to her tonight, and uh, and yeah, and we go from there. So this is kind of. <laughs> I wouldn't say groundbreaking, but it's kind of exciting for me because oh, I've exciting, yeah. I've been at it for quite a while now, the last few months, um, chipping away here and there, and it's been one of those things where it's like it's like a jigsaw puzzle, and it's just pieces are spread far and wide in all different websites and different books and all that kind of stuff. So it's been really tricky trying to piece it together, and the interesting thing is to me, there's no one's done this before, no one's researched this much before because there isn't one website that says hey you're interested in yeah yeah, you're interested in Ernst Vollmer here's all the details so yeah I'm excited Warren (laughs) I can tell I can hear it in your voice yeah that's really really well thank you very much ma'am I much appreciate it are you enjoying the investigation I am actually. I was going to say that um, just before when you were talking about it. It's like everything that you you're bringing forward kind of surprises me. Uh, it interests me, and yeah, to be honest, I'm kind of wondering how far it all goes because I'm I'm really. I mean, like you said, I sort of kicked things off with you on this, but then yeah, I was off um, kind of thinking about the asylum story, that our own little thing, and yeah, the amount of stuff that you've brought to the front. Uh, ongoing is, yeah, fascinating. So I sort of can't wait to see what else is there.
the, the the intriguing thing from well the whole thing is intriguing but it really is a case of it's like a scratchy ticket like you never know what you're going to get you scratch open this bit and you go oh fuck okay and then this leads me down one pathway and then that leads me to something else and something else it just it i'm finding it fascinating myself doing the research and i'm glad you're on board now because i it gives me a chance to not pass the buck but sort of ease the load i can sort of go okay warren if you can look into this avenue of things and i'll continue with this then it's going to make it um more interesting for both of us but also for the listener we hope you know um so yeah, so basically the day after recording the podcast last week where I'd read the uh, reply from Ida, I'd emailed her again. So I'll, re- I'll read my email and then I'll read, and I actually got a response from her um, a couple of days later. <clears throat> and she okay, actually cool. included a photo as well, which is cool. Um, oh, awesome, yep. So in my email back to her, I said, Hi, Ida. Thank you so much for responding. I really didn't think you would. I was, so, I was so excited to get your email and read it on the podcast last night. I only referred to you as Ida because, remember, she was sort of specific in saying, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. Which is yeah. fair enough, yeah. Below is a link to, our, to the episode. We can be pretty crass at times, so don't feel obliged to listen to the whole episode. Ha, ha. Thank goodness yeah. when you put in the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can say. Because you'll be listening to one bit and going, oh, yeah, it's quite an interesting investigation. And then she'll hear about turd goblins. So, you know. Yeah, precisely. I just saw a shooting star. Sorry to interject. Oh, beautiful. Did you make a wish, Warren? Um, well, it was so quick that I, uh, yeah, I couldn't. Make a wish is... now. Go on, have a moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm good now. That was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> Now, I went on to say, we'd love to hear what it was like working at the asylum in general. What did your day look like? What did it involve? One main thing I'd like to ask you about, though, is a doctor who had worked there back in the 1880s and, and 90s by the name of Ernst Vollmer. As it was a long time before you started working there, you may not have even heard of him. The records I found on him are sketchy to say the least, so I was hoping you might know a little, little bit more about him. I believe he worked at the Sunbury Asylum from around 1880 to 1902 or 3. Some of the diary entries I've read by doctor, by another doctor who worked there, Dr O'Brien, state that Ernst was involved with some not-so-legitimate patient transfers, but all it says is that they were transferred to the East. If you know anything about that or if you know anything about Dr. Ernst, I'd love to hear about it. Thank you so much again for applying. We really, really appreciate it. Kind regards, Luke. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, good time. Good time. So it was a few days. Actually, it was on uh, when was it? Saturday that I actually got the reply. So it was just a couple of days ago. Uh, greetings, Luke. I do hope you're keeping well. Sincere apologies for the delayed response. I was quite taken aback by your interest in my professional tenure at Sunbury. I utilised the last few days to reminisce the long, the long forgotten aspects of my 14 years worth of experiences at the facility. I managed to uncover an old photograph from my first year, 1978, at the facility. Technology isn't my forte, so I sincerely hope I've managed to attach the photo. I'm on the far left, looking all perky and eager. To my left stands Mr. Ian Baker, the operations manager. To his left is senior orderly Gwen. I can't recall her surname. To her left is Penelope, or in or uh, inverted commas, Penny Dixon, um, the matron, a formidable woman indeed. Us young'uns referred to her as top dog. She was not to, not to be trifled with. She ran a very tight ship. 
Being an orderly, my job consisted of assisting the, with the provision of physical care to patients in addition to ensuring wards were neat and tidy in tip-top shape. The first two years, myself and a handful of other orderlies were seen and not heard as per Miss Dickinson's strict instructions. <laughs> so it just goes to show the, the time, you know, 1978. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. In my third year, I was promoted to senior orderly by the recommendation of none other than the top dog. Heaven knows why she took a liking to me. I suppose my strict German upbringing equated to my strong work ethics, if I do say so myself. I did everything by the book and followed instructions diligently. In the years that followed, I was assigned yet another work title, patient services assistant. This new position afforded me access to patient records, which up until then were beyond my jurisdiction. Goodness, what an eye-opening and... Oops, car going by. Goodness, what an eye-opening and jaw-dropping reading they turned out to be. Without naming names, a few famous, or should that be infamous, Aussie celebrities had been in there for a visit. So <laughs> that's okay. interesting at the Sunbury yeah. Mental Asylum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> in the... Uh, it goes on... Um, in the few years leading up to the handover to the facility to another government department in 1985, I was tasked with the sorting and editing of the patient's files, seemingly a straightforward job. How wrong was I? It turned into an impossibly enormous project. I was, I was, led, I was led by Miss Dickinson to a derelict part of the main building, which housed the archives. I was utterly unaware of the existence of this enormous dingy place, or space, I should say. It was surreal walking into the big room with seemingly endless shelves overflowing with folders. Much to my surprise, the folders dated back to the 1800s. One of the most frightening, albeit fascinating, sections of the patient's records were the transfer reports. Initially, I had presumed these were innocuous recommendation reports, re the movement of patients between various wards. However, upon closer inspection and several discussions with Miss Dixon, and much to my horror, it dawned on me that certain transfers were most certainly not above board. These dis discrepancies were only evident in the oldest folders. Amongst these folders, one name kept coming up repeatedly. Dr. Ernst Vollmer. Yes, the doctor you had mentioned in your email. Ah. The mere mention of his name in your email shocked me to the core. Definitely an un uninvited blast from the past. The archived files had housed his handwritten reports, most of what I read or could decipher, alluded to numerous improper activities and orders instructed by the doctor. Now, you must understand we are talking about the norms of the very distant past. Reading through these files, there were countless jaw-dropping moments. You also mentioned Dr. O'Brien. His name kept popping up too on reports that were written in direct response to Dr. Volmer's unorthodox activities. Goodness, I must end this email now. I could go on for days. I sincerely hope you will exercise discretion in divulging this information to your listeners. I'm happy to continue our correspondence and assist with your research. Kind regards, Ida. So. There you go. That was thank you very much, Ida, for such an extensive reply. Yeah, the the plot thickens. So she was uh, 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 she was basically reading that like, like I'd hinted to already before, and like yeah. re reading the diary entries from um, Doctor O'Brien that 
uh, yeah, some kind of transfers were going on and they weren't really above board for, with patients going out to the east. <laughs> so we're going to definitely, definitely have to explore that avenue a whole lot more. And hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully I can get some more information out of Ida. She seems like she wants to share, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of just—I think just the well of, uh, of information she clearly is is uh, is firing up the uh, inquisitive nature of both of us. Okay, so Warren, so you uh, are now on board with Fly on the Wall podcast investigates, having uh, um, wrapped up Asylum. Um, Newly badged member, and you, <laughs> and you've, um, you've decided to sort of go down the path of looking up uh, what was it articles and and uh, like actual newspaper articles from around the early nineteen hundreds, was it? Yeah, well, we had a bit of a chat, didn't we, about um, what my role could be, I guess, to, to begin with here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a little bit of research is my kind of thing. Um, so just trying to find because we live not not in that specific area but in the in the general eastern it, region yeah. of melbourne um just to see if there are any historical records and things uh, you know like a lot of things these days you know libraries and everything have gone online yeah absolutely. and so yeah. we'll have um you know whereas in the old days you had like slides and you'd get them and you'd sit at those you remember those computers at the yeah, library yeah the big yeah, uh, <laughs> you know to like find the old records things yeah 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 but but now you can kind of access a lot if you you keep digging, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I was looking at at a period of time in the early 20th century for this area. Um, kind of went with some of the local newspapers that yeah, were around. Yeah, that's a good idea. Then. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I figured, I guess the papers were a pretty good current source of topical information, you know. And and if there are any um, sort of developments, even you know, there'd be tiny little things talking about. Um, you know, a farming auction or something out yeah. at Lilydale, or there might be something about uh, a new principal appointed at the a new headmaster appointed at a local school, and, and things like that. Like fairly, I guess, run of the mill everyday stuff. But then occasionally, you know, it'll talk about a crime committed, or it'll talk about um, something a bit more dramatic, I guess, depending on what was happening at the time. Yeah, uh, maybe even um, stories. That when it did start, you know, the First World War, it might talk about uh, locals that have joined up and, oh, yeah. and all that sort of thing as well. So, yeah, there's there's obviously a lot to kind of go through. I think uh, uh, I think that's where. Um it's good, like, like, because obviously we're going to be looking into Warburton area because that's where the yeah. hospital was and all that kind of thing. And what what works well, what works in our favour, it's that small town mentality. So news travels fast, and everyone seems to know everyone's business, and that's what it's yeah. like in small towns <laughs> now across Australia. So, you know, needless to say, back in the early nineteen hundreds. Small things, like you're sort of saying, small things became big news, and I, I think that's a, a clever way of um, exploring that region. You know what I mean? Rather than going to the history books as such, um, I reckon it's better going through the newspaper archives. 
Yeah, well, it, it was interesting because I think it just, it, like, for me personally, being that I've actually lived up that area and we know yeah, right. uh, some of the history. We know that there's the trail yeah. that goes from down here right up to there and that there was a railway at one point. But, I, of course, I forget sometimes that at one stage that actually took passengers. Yeah. And that would have been the main uh like way of getting up there unless you're going to go horse and cart and carriage at the turn of the century there which would take a long time see um you're going to catch the train yeah so that's kind of cool because i um my i don't want to give away too much too quickly no no but some of my research into Ernst Vollmer, there's um and you and i'm I'm going to be reading out um or pre-record um of the latest emails from Ida, who I've been liaising with. Yes, and, of course. Um, there's been patient transfers from Sunbury Asylum, uh, which is over in the western suburbs of... Uh, is that right? Western suburbs, Warren? Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. yeah. North, sort of northwest. Northwest, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's been these transfers from there with patients going over to Warburton. So I'm wondering yeah. if maybe they, they could have even gone by the train because, I mean, or gone via the train. Um, because obviously, you know, back in those days, you wouldn't really be jumping in a car or a bus, you know? So, no, I mean, there would have been very few. And yeah, I would exactly. assume that they wouldn't be doing, like, the big journeys like that yeah. over a lot of unmade road. And I mean, you know, the, the richer people would have, the, the more well-to-do. But, yeah, yeah, I think most people would have been getting to some of those far-flung places by different connecting rail services. Yeah, you know, okay. relative comfort, um, reasonably affordable. And, yeah, and Warburton at that point at that sort of early 20th century was a little bit like it was a mill town did a lot of um paper milling and, and wood milling but it was also a little bit of a tourist spot as well yeah okay. um quite popular for um people on little holidays away from the city um i don't think it was like a massive bustling place but it, it had its reputation and it was yeah. quite picturesque so yeah, you know, I, I sort of found that little bit of an expat start of the exploration, um, yeah, quite interesting. Okay, cool. And you've got a so you've you've uh, pre-recorded a uh, an ar- a reading of an article that you found from around the early 1900s. Is that right? Yeah, so I okay. found that it was kind of like on the join of a. It looked like it was in the middle of a page, like a spread. Yeah. So it was a bit of an awkward uh, photograph of it, and you know, with some of the old print, it wasn't a hundred percent clear. It's quite old as well, and they've taken some sort of photo at yeah. some stage, and then they've archived it digitally. But okay. then later, yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, I did my best. There, there might have I might have had to change a couple of words when I couldn't read it properly, but yeah. So I've just basically read what I found. Found, uh, yeah, in the in the archives of a local library. Hey everybody, <laughs> Big Was here uh, from Fly on the Wall Podcast, and uh, joining Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates. Luke had me choose, you know, a couple of things that I could do uh, to to add to this week's episode. I opted to look into some old newspaper archives from the the area that we're from, sort of the outer east of Melbourne, to do with you know the Warburton, Lilydale, um, and surrounding areas history, and just see what we could dig up. Anything that was, I guess, curious, interesting, uh, anything we could connect with our particular story as well. And I found an article uh, from 1908 uh, that was in the Lilydale Express. Uh, by a Walter Harris, uh, and it was a photograph of the original 
uh, paper. So it wasn't actually, it hadn't been re-typed or printed or anything like that. It, it's, it literally must have just been photocopied at some stage or had a photo taken of it and then archived. And this has just been logged um, in their computer archive. So it sort of had to do a little bit of deciphering to, to make a lot of the words clear. So I'll just read through what I can. Please excuse any uh, hiccups or mistakes. Hushed whispers and gossip abound in the rural township of Warburton, almost 48 and three quarter miles east of Melbourne and perched on the picturesque River Yarra. Reached by locomotive to Lilydale and then rail once again, or for the more sedate journey by coach for the sum of six shillings, it is the character of a frontier town. Uh, albeit one of stunning romantic scenery in the resplendent company of Mount Donabuang as its backdrop. Only with extensive personal time and currency spent at the general store, guest house and the coffee palace, itself very popular amongst the locals and notably several well-to-do business folk, the conversation turns to other matters and those of significant curiosity for the more quizzical amongst us. One of the local reverends, a man of stern countenance and few words, appears to have grim work ahead, as one can only refer to these tidings as the devil's work. True that both uh, an Episcopal and Roman Catholic Church spread the good word in this inarguably far-flung region, but the Seventh-day Adventist Church have founded a small community just outside the town itself. Religious uh, fanaticism, it could be said, would find a cold welcome here, but clandestine meetings in private dwellings and tales of mysterious and disturbing group practices performed under the guise of medical or therapeutic aid do little to douse the flames of suspicion. When the few remaining gold prospectors and the throngs of millmen, the main populace of the hotels along the main thoroughfare, fall silent under innocent questioning, my curiosity is stoked anew. The passing of time will tell. So as I mentioned last week and the week before, I've been emailing a lady called Ida who worked as an orderly at the mental asylum, the Sunbury Mental Asylum here in Victoria, Australia, back in the late 70s, early 80s. So we've been corresponding via email and I've been asking a few more questions about Ernst Vollmer and she's actually been really, really helpful so my last email to her was hi ida wow thank you for the information and it was great to see a photo of you too so for those of you not following the instagram uh she actually did send us a photo of her and the rest of the staff um of her in 1978 i think it was um so yeah go check out the instagram which is fly on the wall podcast with an underscore between each of those words I went on to say, what an experience it must have been working at an asylum for all those years. I'm guessing it would have been difficult for you at times. In regards to the patient transfers ordered by Dr. Volmer, did it say specifically where the patients were being transferred to? I have found some evidence online that some patients went to the Warburton Hospital in the early 1900s, but others were just sent to the east 
On one of these documents, the image was quite blurred online. There was another place that was just called The Manor. If you can shed any light on that, I'd appreciate it. As something, sorry. If you can shed any light on that, I'd appreciate it as something really seems to be amiss with these patient transfers. So just the other day, I received a reply from Ida. Good evening, Luke. Hope this email finds you in good health. I have spent the last few days racking my brain trying to recall quite a few unusual and downright disturbing facts and entries that I came across during my time sorting the patient's files. As I'd mentioned in my previous email, Dr. Volmer's name kept popping up repeatedly in the earliest of the collection of, my, of reports slash paperwork. What piqued my interest was the fact that almost every report that mentioned his name and list of patients had missing pages, crossed out lines, torn sections, incomplete patients' data. Initially, I didn't think much of it and just dismissed the gaps and lapses as oversights. Also, large chunks of the files had deteriorated over time. We are talking about paperwork from the late 1800s. As far as the transfers were concerned, things were definitely amiss. A number of patients' records were incomplete almost as if they had disappeared into thin air. My initial assumption was that they had either expired or released or been released from the facility. <clears throat> However, their names popped up in subsequent files after considerable gaps. I found this I found this these discrepancies, sorry, alarming. Upon discussion with Ms. Dickinson, the matron, I was informed in very hushed tones the unorthodox and somewhat sinister activities of Dr. Volmer. He was hailed as a maverick and immensely progressive medical scientist upon his arrival at the facility. His unconventional procedures initially were not questioned by the powers that be. His apparent success rate, RE, the rehabilitation and treatment of patients, was stellar, to say the least. This resulted in him receiving free reign over the list of treatments on offer at the facility. That's incredible. Back to the transfers mystery. He was responsible for the movement of, of a plethora of patients. Some were transferred legitimately to other wards or institutions, such as the Warburton facility in the Outer East. However, some were allegedly sent to an unofficial and undisclosed premises. Wow, that's, yep. I do believe this is the place you pointed out as the manor in your email. Based on Dr. O'Brien's accounts, this secretive venue housed medical labs including equipment that sounded too fantastical, almost, almost science fiction. O'Brien, oh, sorry, almost science fiction. O'Brien's reports almost alluded to the cult-like environment. That's bloody weird. Upon further reading of the reports, or what was left of them, the concerns about the illegitimacy of Volmer's actions were heightened. Apparently, his unorthodox practices were included unproven, highly risky and clandestine, clandestine activities, most of which were unnoticed by the management. By the time management caught wind of it, Volmer had already carried out his illicit procedures on the hapless patients. Dr. O'Brien reports in response to Volmer's unsavory actions made perfect sense to me after this re revelation. 
I could regale you with my recollection of some of the horrid activities of Volma, sealed in those reports and forever etched into my brain, but I'm hesitant to disclose sensitive information. I'm aware that most information will be in public domain due to the time lapse, but I still feel an allegiance to my past profession and the unshakable rule of patient and professional confidentiality. I wish you all the luck in your research pursuit. Take care. Kind regards, Ida. So that's the story so far for Ernst Volma, a.k.a. Dr. Colin North. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, little mini episode, little catch up on all the bits and pieces to do with our investigation. Warren and I are thoroughly enjoying ourselves, scratching the surface of what is becoming quite an epic tale. <laughs>